Turn with me over to the book of Matthew. We're going to look at chapter 25. We have been talking about stewardship for the past three or four weeks, and we're going to continue that today. Matthew chapter 25. And this is probably the quintessential passage on stewardship in all the Bible. Matthew 25, verses 14 through 28. The title of the message is Stewardship, Bringing God Increase. Bringing God Increase. Jesus is speaking, and he says in verse 14, For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and another one, each one according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Verse 16. Immediately the one who had received five talents went and traded them and gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who had received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with him. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted, me with, with, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. 22. Also, the one who had received two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid, and I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, I have what is yours. See, you have what is yours. Verse 26, and the master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you should have put my money in the bank, and, and, and on my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Verse 28, therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. Lord, help us as we study. Three things I'd like to talk to you about. When owners leave, overseers need to manage because owners return. Jesus is trying to give a, a picture here of what it is like to be a steward. And the implicit fact that runs through this is that whatever he leaves with us is not ours. Now, we might put our name on it. Your bank account has your name on it. Your house has your name on it, or maybe the bank's name on it. Your car has your name on it. It's titled to you. Though it has your name, it's only for designation here so that we know who else it is not. But when it comes to you understanding what is yours, whatever is yours is not yours. It's God's. He owns it all. He has given it to you for a minute. And he is wanting to know at some point how you did with it. What did you do with what I gave you? And he calls the people, and Jesus uses his words carefully here. He calls the people who are the stewards slaves. Somewhat offensive, is it not? 
I mean, we, we like to think of ourselves as free-willed human beings, agents to do whatever we wish whenever we want. But ultimately, we are in his hand. And it's our responsibility to report to him on a regular basis, to let him know how we are doing and what we are doing with what he gave us. We are slaves. Nobody wants to say it, but I will. We are slaves. We are, we, we are owned by him. He bought us with a price. Now, I realize the connotation of slavery, especially in America, is not tasteful, has a sour moment in your mouth. But this is not what we're talking about with respect to abuse. What we are talking about is what man has degenerated into as a result of his disobedience. That God never intended for slavery to be the order of the day. It was supposed to be sonship. Bearing his identity well and making sure that he cared for that which God gave him well. So God put Adam in the garden and said, work it. There was no slave-master relationship. It was father-son, if you will. Though we did not have that kind of designation in the Old Testament, at least at that point. But the relationship was sure. And it was one of camaraderie and one of cooperation. Without a doubt, the the father was the one to whom Adam needed to submit. But the issues of of how that submission came about were not like what they are today. Whereby, let's face it, sometimes you have to be told what to do. See, Adam didn't have to be told what to do. He had to be told what not to do. Don't eat of the tree, but knock yourself out with anything else. Enjoy yourself. We have to be told what to do. That's why we have commandments. We are so messed up that we have to be told to honor our parents. Are you kidding me? I read on the internet, Pastor Jim Critcher gave me this one time. It's called a a list of unnecessary instructions. On, on a can of peanuts. Um, it, it says, warning, contains nuts. <laughs> Why would they need to put that on there? Because somebody who was allergic to nuts ate nuts. <laughs> it's an unnecessary instruction, but somebody needed it. On an article of clothing, warning, do not iron while on. (laughs) Really? Really? There are so many things that we don't think we should need to be told. And the Ten Commandments, as wonderful as they are, they are things that you shouldn't have to be told. Really? You got to... Honor mom and dad? You have to be told? What is wrong with us? Don't steal? Really? Don't murder? Really? These are unnecessary instructions, but we are so messed up that we have to be told. Make sure you honor the Sabbath. Don't bear false witness. This is how messed up we are. And so we have degenerated to the place where We don't even know what's right. And now it's no longer a relationship with God. 
But it's one that is almost, here, I'm going to put you in a spot because if you don't go, if, you, if, you, if I if left to your own devices, you will wind up in the wrong spot, going in the wrong way, down the wrong ro- road, and you will get in trouble. So I'm going to make you go this way. And so Jesus begins to talk about the relationship between the, 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 the owner of the property and those who were under him as a master and a slave. And he says, the master went on a long journey. Now, Jesus has been gone for quite a while. Gone for quite a while. And I don't know when he's coming back. Um, I, I, I'm not trying to, to figure it out. I, I've read my, 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 the book of Revelation, and I've read Ezekiel, and I've read Daniel, and I've done the weeks study, if, you, if any of you understand what, what I'm talking about. And I know all the things where people are calculating exactly what it means to look at times in the Hebrew calendar and then the Greek time frame with the Greco-Roman calendar and all of that. And folks have put a date on it. And Jesus said, you're not going to know the day or the hour. So there's no reason to even try. But I understand that he is going to come back at some point. And although I've studied all that, I am doing what I can to make sure that I do what I need to do tomorrow without sitting around pining away waiting for him to show up. Because I've got to be faithful with what he gave me. And it's not so much that I think he's going to interrupt my stewardship by his appearance. It's probably that I'm going to interrupt my own stewardship with my death. I'm probably going to outlive his coming. And so I've got to make sure that every day counts. Every day means something. No matter how long he takes, it's my responsibility to make sure that I do that for which he, he intended me to do with this stuff. And he went on a long journey. And he gave some talents to some stewards. And he said, five to one, two to one, and one to one, each according to their own ability. I probably fit in the one category. I probably fit there. I don't know who the five are. Paul's Paul's a five. I'll say Paul's a five. Peter's a five. Luther, a five. Ignatius, church fathers, five. I don't know who the twos are, but, but I know I'm probably a one. I don't know that I have that much capacity, and I know I'm not a first-round draft choice. When God thought about using people to do something for Washington, I was not at the top of the list. The only reason I'm here is because everybody else said no. Let's see if we can get Brett. Maybe he'll do it. I'm a free agent. I'm a walk-on. I'm a volunteer. I could not have been his first choice because if I was, bad is the situation in the body of Christ. Horrible is the situation in the body of Christ. The body of Christ needs a lot of leaders if I was his first choice. So I'm going to categorize myself as one. But I don't categorize myself as one with respect to what the one did here. (laughs) Simply because he had one didn't mean he couldn't do what, what he was supposed to do with the one. But whatever God decided to give, he gave it according to their abilities. So the one had some abilities to do something, or else God wouldn't have given him anything. So at least I got one. And we, we, we noticed some things here that after the master went away, it says that the owners, the, the overseers, began to manage. And the two things that are... Uh, outstanding about the the management of the one who had the five and the one who had the two 
is that the one who had the five and the two, it says immediately they went out. Now, before I get into what that means, I want to, to help you understand that talent here is a unit of measure. It has nothing to do with your ability to sing or your, 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 your musical talent in playing or your dancing or your football or your soccer. or Nothing to do with natural ability. It is all that which God gives. And generally, it's outside of, of that which you were born. Meaning this was something aside from what these guys came into the world with. And I think, I think he's probably talking about the most valuable thing that he could give. Now, talent was 100 pounds of anything. So when he gave five talents, he was giving 500 pounds of anything. It could have been silver. It could have been gold. It could have been grain. It could have been oil. Whatever they had, they decided they were going to use in order to bring the master increase. And I'm not quite sure what it is that, that Jesus wanted to specify, but I know this, that the balance of Scripture tells me that there are things that are more important than other things with respect to stewardship. That I can go ahead and steward my money well, but if I don't steward my holiness well, bad things happen. I can, I can steward my relationships well, but if I don't steward my mind and my mouth well, bad things will happen. There are things that are more important. Although everything is important, there are things, if you will, that are more equal than others. And I've got to make sure that one thing I steward well is my reception of this gospel. most valuable thing God gave is his gospel to us in his absence. What do you do with it? How do you live it? How are you making it increase in your life? This gospel is that which saves, not only for heaven, but from all the stuff here. Saves you from stuff. Are you doing a good job of making sure that the gospel is growing in your life? Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a, a mustard seed that is planted. And, and after a little bit, it becomes the largest tree in the garden, and the birds of the air can then come and rest in its branches. How is the kingdom growing in your life? It ought to be the biggest plant in your garden. Conversely, most of the body of Christ has their business as the biggest plant in the garden. Maybe their family as the biggest plant in the garden. Their ambitions as the biggest plant in the garden. Their educational pursuits. Rarely do you find people that say the kingdom is most important to me. I want to please God every day and I want this thing to grow because in it, then the birds of the air, your education, your business, your family can all rest in the branches. But if you don't build this thing well, you're going to find it very difficult to let anything else rest in your life. There's something of a trust that I can put because I prioritize the kingdom well. There's somewhat of a trust I can put in my God for my family that even when things may not be as they should, Cynthia and I may be concerned about a child here or there, what, what's going on, and all my kids love God. But sometimes you got to pray. Sometimes you got to pray. There is a, a supreme confidence that because we have built as well as we know how to build, that we can rest our family in the branches of the kingdom that we've helped to steward. We can rest. I mean rest. And even when things don't look right, after we prayed, we rest because our God's got it. How are you building the kingdom. What is this gospel doing in your life? 
How are you doing in your personal life with respect to love, joy, peace? These fruit of the Spirit that allow you to reflect the character of God best, that's what ought to emanate from you if you are a good steward. You ought to, you ought to, to guard the garden of your heart. Make sure that there are no weeds growing that are competing with the resources necessary to make the plant you intentionally put there grow well. And everybody, you, you know that weeds aren't planted. They don't need to be planted. They just show up. They just show up. I get so mad. I planted a garden for my, my, my wife, and, and it's a beautiful garden. We have cantaloupe and watermelon and, and uh, green beans and, and both pole beans and bush beans. We got cucumbers. We got uh, uh, bell peppers. We got summer squash. We got blackberries. We got a lot of stuff in my garden. Tomatoes, a lot of stuff. And, and, and in order to make all that stuff worth all my work that I put in April, I've got to make sure that I get a hoe out there at least twice a week and say to the weeds, no more. You are leaving today. You do not live past this moment. If not, the weeds will take over and they grow much quicker than the fruit I desire to bear. Much quicker. And they, they flower much quicker. And, and they seed much quicker. I mean, it takes about 10 days for a dandelion to flower and then spread its seed. 10 days. It takes 8 to 10 weeks for me to get a green bean. <laughs> One green bean! One! So these things, I mean, literally, I have cleaned every row of my garden. Two days later, little things are popping up. <laughs> Takes a lot of work. How are you doing? How are you stewarding the garden of your soul? How are you stewarding it? Are you weeding it regularly? This tree of the kingdom ought to be the biggest, but they don't become the biggest without you cultivating well. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are some of the things that need to be pouring out of your pores, coming out of your mouth, emanating from your life on a regular basis if you are managing immediately the things God has given you. If you're overseeing your life well, you ought to become more loving than you were yesterday, more kind than you were yesterday, more self-controlled, more patient, more gentle, more faithful, more joyful, more peaceful. All these things ought to be in your life and growing to such a degree that not only can you eat from it, but people just recognize you and they see, they don't know how to explain it, but they see peace on you. And all they want to do is hang around you because they enjoy the fruit of your life. They want to figure out how to get to your home because they realize, I don't know anybody who raises kids like you. And the, the atmosphere you, you have in your house, how did you get this? Why do your children like you? Why do they like you? I don't know, how did this happen? And they just want to stay in your home. There are people in my house that I don't know. They're there every morning. Children, people, who are you and why are you on my couch? Are you Grant's friend? Are you Telus's friend? Are you Gary? Who are you? I just love my house. 
They love my house, and they're eating of the fruit. Yes. Now remember, I'm the one talent guy. Yes. I'm not that great. I'm really not. I, I came in at a deficit. Yes. I needed help from God just to be normal, Amen. just to get my head above water and breathe. I didn't come out with a Bible in my hand. Out of my mother, I wasn't speaking in tongues. I cried just like you. I needed so much help just to be normal. So I'm the one-talent guy, but I'm trying to work my one talent as best I know how. Amen. What are you doing with what you got? Because God's given you something really special. Now, there may be other things to which this passage is referring. The anointing level in your life, your ability to communicate by speech, gifts of healing, gifts of, of miracles, are all kind of things that he wants to bestow on you outside of that which you came into this world with. Your natural gifts. So this can apply to many different areas. It's not just one. But I think the most important thing that we need to deal with is what are you doing with the thing he gave you first? Because I know a lot of people who are extremely gifted spiritually and can do things that just make your mind go, how did that happen? I need you in my life. Lay hands on me wherever you want to, so I can get just a little bit of what you got. When you lay hands on people, they get healed. That's amazing. That happens to me every once in a while, but, but not regularly. I want it regularly. Please just help bestow some of that over here. And then you look at their marriage and you say, oh, maybe I can help you there. You look at their holiness. You think, you know, you really ought to turn that off. And so you don't want to neglect the thing God gave you first. And try to substitute with what he gave you second. And think that somehow you're good because the anointing of God is flowing in your life to such a degree that surely he's with you. Even though you're not right with him as you should. You're not as right as you should be. So what are you doing first? What are you doing with the stuff he gave you first? How are you doing with this gospel? Please cultivate it. Immediately they went out. I mean right now. They said, I've got to work this thing. I've got to work it. And, and uh, there's a, there, there should be an urgency. You, you, you don't need to like take three or four days of praying and fasting to figure out whether you need to obey him. You don't need to do that. Once you hear the word, just do it. You obey right now. Right now. Whatever he said that's Bible, that's what I'm going to do. You need to take whatever message Pastor Dave gives you every week. Go home, meditate on it. Listen to it again on the podcast. This is why technology has been created, so that we can get the word better and, and, and disseminate it better. Listen to it over and over. Read your Bible every day. Figure out a way to do what you ought to do so you can be fruitful on a regular basis. Do not allow lethargy to set in immediately. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't wait. And I know some of the stuff that you need to do might cost you more than you want to pay. But you need to do it now because it's only going to cost you more later. Leave sin. Leave a life of lethargy and, 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 and dissatisfaction that, 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 that has caused you to, to find yourself on the other side of God's pleasure. Leave it. Depart now. There were some people in the Bible who decided I wanted to do things, you know, I'll just wait a minute. Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Luke chapter 9. Wherever you go, I want you to know I'm with you. 
Jesus said, birds of the, uh, birds of the air have their nests and uh, foxes have holes in the ground. But the Son of Man has no place to, to lay his head. Y- you sure you want to follow? Now, everybody thought that Jesus was the Messiah, and indeed he was. But their version of the Messiah was not that which Jesus was going to fulfill. So their version of the Messiah was that he was going to sit on a natural throne, kick out Herod, who was the usurper ruler of the Jews, deal with Pilate, who was the governor for Rome Rome over all of Judea, and then go back and somehow deal with Caesar and Rome. And, and, And his government would continue to spread, and the people who joined him would be a part of that expansion. They wanted to be a part of his administration because they knew the Messiah was his unbeatable leader. Uh, and Jesus said, well, I want you to know I, I don't have, I have no place to lay my head. Now, he wasn't talking about he didn't have a home. You look in Mark chapter 2, it says, when the disciples were at the house. And we believe this was in Capernaum where Mary lived. Joseph was out of the scene now. He probably passed away. Mary lived in Capernaum. Jesus was not married which meant he cared for his mama, which meant he had a place to live. He was at his mama's house. And this is probably why later on, you know that one time when they bring the paralytic because he was at the house and everybody was in the house and they were peering through the windows and crowding the doors and it was the biggest home meeting ever in Capernaum. And, and they, 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 so four fellas had a buddy who, they, who was crippled. Lame. And, and they said, there's no way we can get into the house because there's too many people. So they climbed on top of the roof, opened the roof up that was thatch, and lowered the guy down through the living room, through the roof in the living room. And, and Jesus said, wow, that's amazing faith, and healed him. Well, the next time he's at the home, it, 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 again, everybody's packed in. And it says outside that Jesus' mother and brothers wanted to have a word with him while he was teaching. Now, Mary is the most respectful woman on the planet. That would be like my mama walking through the door while I'm preaching now and said, Brett, can I have a word with you, please? (laughs) She would never stop a meeting where Jesus was doing great things, ever. This is what he was prepared for. This is what he was geared for. This is why he was created, to heal people and help people. But why would she do it then? Probably only to say, listen, it cost me about 10 grand to fix the roof last time. I'm I'm just letting you know if there's any way that we could not have that happen again can I have a word with you so he had a place to live the issue was not where he laid his head every night the issue was where he laid his head in government meaning I have no place that's going to receive me as the head of them no place on the planet even the people even you who want me now, won't want me tomorrow. How do you like me now? You still want to follow? You think I'm going to be your Messiah that's going to set you up and you're going to be in my administration, you're going to have a diplomatic post. I want you to know, nobody is going to like me in a minute. Come on with me now. He said, ah, never mind. We don't have the commentary, but the sense was, I'll find something else to do. Immediately, no matter what the cost is, follow and in contrast, what we have with the guy who, was, who had the one, it says that he departed and, and went and took his talent and put it in the ground, dug a hole, put it in the ground. And, and, and the word departed is also the word in our English, how we interpret it through Greek, withdrew. 
that kind of gives a better idea of his attitude. Rather than pressing forward, he went backward. He withdrew. There's an advancing that God wants you to do with his stuff. How are you advancing his kingdom? What are you doing in your own personal life to bring increase to his kingdom? Are you sharing the gospel with your friends? Are you helping them understand their purpose for their life? Are you being the leader you ought to be in your home by, by if you're a single mom or a single dad, are you leading your children in the way that they should go? If you're the head of a home, mom, dad, and there's two parents there, are you leading as you should, following as you should? Are you guiding your neighborhood? Are you leading, if you're a coach, them, these kids, impressionable kids, in the way of righteousness, maybe without even mentioning chapter and verse, but you are using so many biblical principles that all they want to do is come to practice early. And they want to stay late because they love being around you. How are you advancing the kingdom? This guy withdrew. As soon as he heard, as soon as he got what he needed, he said, let me take a step back and let me make sure that this stuff is secure rather than pressing forward. And after the owners managed, excuse me, the overseers managed, the owners came back. There's always an accounting. Here's an accounting. Now, I am trusting that the accounting that Christ does for my life is not going to have to be that which is an overall accounting because I have not submitted to him my life on a regular basis. Ah, yes, when I get to glory, I want to hear well done. But I don't manage my employees, the folks who work for this church, by giving them evaluations, the first one, after 30 years. I don't do that. That that wouldn't be wise. It wouldn't be wise for them because they need adjustments along the way, and it wouldn't be helpful to you all. So I manage my I don't even do semi-annually. I do whenever I meet with them. Whenever I meet with, how's it going? What are you doing here? What's happening there? How's your marriage? How are your kids? True. <laughs> That's what I do. There's an evaluation all the time. And they get to hear either good job or, hey, let's, let's tweak this. Let's go three degrees to the right here. That's what I'm looking for from my God on a regular basis by saying, Lord, here's your church. I, 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 know, I know you want it to be governed well. <laughs> I hope you like what we're doing. God, here's my family. I hope I'm doing a good job. Lord, here's my life. I hope I'm doing a good job. And so I'm looking for a well done every day. That's what I'm looking for. Now, if he wants to give me one at the, at the end of my, my run, when I cross the finish line, I'm fine with that. But I'm not looking for that on a, uh, uh, as being the ultimate. I'm trying to help me. Help me so I'm not surprised at the end. Because I might have missed something on the way, and the last thing I, I don't want to hear is not well done. I didn't say that right. You know what I mean. The last thing I want to hear is not well done. So I want to make sure I'm adjusted. Here this guy buried it and then left. There was no sense of wonder what's going on today with it. He knew it was in the ground. But I guarantee you those guys who were working with the five and the two were monitoring their investments daily, weekly, trying to figure out 
Okay, I've gained some here. I lost some here. Okay, don't do that again. Let's make sure this happens. So that at the end, they were able to produce double what was given them. Please, whatever has been given you, I'm not asking for ten times. Not asking for five times. Just double whatever God's given you. That'll be all right. They got a well done with the double. Double. Win one person to Jesus in your lifetime. Just one. Just one. Now, when you win one, you'll want to win two. It's so great. It's the best thing in ministry. But win one. There are people that go throughout their entire life leading anybody to Jesus. They can't bring any substantial fruit to God. And you think, what were you doing for 50 years? What were you, why didn't you, it's, it's not, believe me, in our society, people are looking for the real. They're looking for the authentic. They just, they just want something that, that, that rings true. They're not looking for all your chapters and verses. They're looking for a life lived well. And fruit that says, this is the way to do it best. And if you've been living it well, then you can, you can tell your story to somebody. You can tell your story. Please tell your story. Tell it. Let people know who you are. You'd be surprised what God will do with a testimony. The owner comes back and he's got some commendations and he has some judgments. To the two that doubled, well done. And hear me. Well done. Enter into the joy of your master. There is a joy that can only There is a kind of joy that can only be experienced as a result of understanding that you have done the will of God and made him happy when you did it. It's a joy that goes beyond any accomplishment you've you've measured out, anything you've done. Because the accomplishment that you've done generally has to be exceeded by the next accomplishment because it it never, it never fills the hole in your soul that you're trying to, 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 to make sure it fills, ever. Because we're never called to be fulfilled by stuff. The only thing that makes us most complete is to know that He is happy with us. That's what makes us complete. And when you hear a well done from God, you can rest. You can rest. Thank you, Lord. I'm good. I'm good. My soul's full. That's great. Thank you. And what you do not want to hear is, you wicked and lazy slave. That, that's not, those are the words, you, you, you don't want them coming out of his mouth directly. What were you doing? He doesn't just call them lazy. He calls them wicked. Why? Because I gave you stuff and you were supposed to do something with it. But I knew you were tough. I knew that you, 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 you reaped where you didn't sow and, and you gathered where you didn't scatter any seed. You were able to bring something from very little or nothing. And, 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 and I, I was concerned that I would lose that which was yours. Well, you knew I was tough. I get that. So, like, why didn't you put it in the bank? Why, why, why didn't you do the minimum? If he had done the minimum, he might have gotten, well done. 
Well done. Eh, you didn't do much. But at least I got some back. Well done. Not a well done. Well done. Why did you bury it? That is, other than giving it away, that is the worst thing you could have done. Don't let God be tempted to call you either lazy or wicked because you didn't take the most valuable thing he gave you and at least try to bring increase. You know what putting it in the bank is with respect to the gospel? At least giving a testimony to another Christian. <laughs> They're already saved, yeah. Oh, but you, you, you're bringing some increase to somebody. The body of Christ is benefiting from some. Some people do nothing. They do nothing. Now, I'm not saying that doing the minimum should be your maximum effort. But I am saying that there is a way to make sure this gospel increases in your life. Let's pray. Daddy, I'm asking for your grace and mercy. Please inspire us to help us to be what we should be and do what we should do. Help us to be good stewards of that which you've given us financially, gift-wise, and this beautiful message of truth and salvation. Is there anybody this morning who has yet to give their heart to Christ? Maybe you've made a decision in the past, but your life doesn't look anything like what a believer's ought to be, and you want to make a change today. Anybody at all, raise your hand high. I want to pray for you. I see that hand. Bless you. Once it's up, you can put it down. Anybody else? All right, you who raised your hand, pray with me. Say, Father in heaven, forgive me for my sin. I am sorry for the way I've lived. And I choose to turn away from everything I know to be wrong and to follow you with all of my heart. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving me the privilege of calling Jesus the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name.